Good morning. I have two quick announcements before we uh, get into our welcome. Next Sunday, we're going to have homecoming. Gary Jennings will be here uh, in the morning service to preach, and we're going to ask you guys to bring food. We're going we're to dismiss from the sanctuary that morning and go over to the Jennings building and to our auditorium to eat, and I have some uh, important instructions for you all that are bringing food, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them all to you. Take your food to the Jennings building. Amen? That's where we're going to eat. Serving tables will be set up in the fellowship area. Separate tables will be set up for desserts. Refrigerators and warmers will be welcomed. A special area for crock pots. Ladies will be in each area to assist you. And please do not leave any dishes after the meal, okay? And somebody requested Swiss roll cake or something like that. Whatever y'all want to do. All right, it's up to you. Um, if you'll look at the flowers here at our pulpit, the children of Reverend Kenneth and Helen Lambert, raise your hand, have placed today's flowers in honor and celebration of their 50th wedding anniversary with love and appreciation for life together. Amen. I said, Kenneth, what's the secret? And he said, I say, yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. Amen. And I would like to say that um, on Thursday of this week, October the 10th, uh, we'll have the annual Alexander Baptist Association meeting here in our sanctuary at 6 p.m. We'll have a meal if you want to come at 5 p.m. And I'd just like to go on record, I know it's on the radio, they'll play it next week, that Kenneth Lambert, since I've been a born-again Christian, is by far and away the best DOM the Alexander Baptist Association's ever had. Thank you so much for your service, Kenneth. I really appreciate he and Helen. Well, we want to welcome you to East Hills of Baptist Church. If this is the first time you've been with us, or maybe the first time in a long time, our ushers have a welcome pack that they'd like to get in your hands. And inside the welcome pack is all the information about our church. There's a Let's Get Acquainted card in there you can fill out. You can mail that in, hand it to Mark, Kevin, or myself. Put it in the offering plate. Leave it in your pew so we can have a record visit. We'd greatly appreciate it. And right now, for just a few moments, we're going to ask our visitors to remain seated. Members, you smile first and then stand. And let's welcome one another to the house of the Lord this morning.
we do, we get to honor him. One quick announcement. Operation Christmas Child, you've seen the shoe boxes. They're going to be out in our elevator lobby area. If you'll pick one up right after the morning service. And then next week in homecoming, they'll be down in the new lobby in the Jennings area, in that area. So if you'll pick up a shoe box. We want to reach 450 kids this year. And, you know, a lot of those kids have never heard the gospel. That's what we're here for. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Remember Front Street Baptist. Our sister church lost a lot of people in their church. I can't imagine the devastation, the hardship. Let's pray for those families and those just lost loved ones this week. We want to remember Roger Warren as he's down at Iredale. Very critical. Remember his family. That's Tim's brother. Remember their family. And also remember the Fox family as Clay went home to be with the Lord this week. Let's remember them and pray for them and uplift them in prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for prayer. Father, we thank you for the power of prayer. But we thank you here, God who answers prayer. Lord, you said to come to you, and Father, without ceasing, we do. And Father, we want to pray for these needs. We want to pray for the Fox family. Lord, that you'd be their strength and comfort and guide through these days. Lord, I pray for the Warren family, that you continue to be with them during these difficult days. And Father, for all the families that lost loved ones this past week, Lord, in the bus accident, we pray that you'd comfort and strengthen and encourage. And that you'd uplift, for you're the God of all comfort. We trust you. We trust you, Father, to make yourself known and manifest your presence in their life. And, Father, this morning, we pray that you'd bless this service. We pray you'd pour out your spirit on each one here, each heart, every home. And, Father, we pray that you'd come with such power. And, Lord, through your word and through your message, Lord, that you'd guide us and illuminate the scriptures to our hearts and our minds. Lord, that we might see you more clearly, that we might know you more intimately. And, Father, we want to tell you that we love you. I pray you'd bless this offering. Lord, that you'd use it for your kingdom's glory. Lord, for the advancement of the gospel, that people may hear of you and be saved and born again. Lord, we thank you for this service. May you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
Thank you, choir. Uh, just another quick announcement. Tonight at 6 p.m., our services will start in here tonight at 6 p.m. Um, we will host the uh, chorus from the high school. Uh, and since we're doing that, we're going to need several of you men, if you will, uh, as soon as the service is over, to help us to move these choir chairs into another room. So I know many of you are going to rush up here after the service and just be servants and help. Amen? Amen. Yeah, about four of you. Okay. So we really appreciate you guys. No, I'm just kidding. If you'll stand with me this, this morning, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, last week, we talked about redeeming the time again, and we talked about food and different things like this. This morning, we have uh, a great topic before us. We're going to talk about wine and the Holy Spirit, okay? So buckle up. I want everybody smiling during this message, all right? So we're going to try to share what the Bible uh, says about wine and the Holy Spirit and um, being filled with the Holy Spirit as it compares to um, drunkenness. The Bible says this, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Chuck Swindoll said this is the most important verse in the New Testament. For your Christian life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So much so, he contrasts that with a person being drunk with wine. So some of the questions we're going to ask this morning, the first thing we're going to look at is pneumatology, which most of you may or may not know is the study of the Holy Spirit understand context. The second point is, we're going to talk about the word oinos, which talks about fermented beverages. Is it okay for a born-again Christian to drink wine? Alright, so everybody buckle up. And then, okay, if it spills over into drunkenness, what does that look like? And then the final thing is this, and it's going to be very small because it's really simple, is the importance of constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so everybody smile with me. Don't you love the Bible? I've always said this, you can't say more or less than the Bible says, okay? And depending on how I feel, it doesn't matter. i got to preach what the Bible says, all right? So all that matters, the main point of this verse is this, that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, a whole lot of the other things take care of themselves, okay? Very important. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. Father, we love your word. Father, we want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, your word says that the Holy Spirit will convict through the Bible. Lord, through songs sung about you, Lord. Through the preaching of the word, through prayers. And Father, we pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would come. If there's anyone in here this morning who has never truly trusted you, Father, anyone in here who is not indwelt with the Holy Spirit, Father, I pray that they would be saved today. Father, that's a work, as we're going to see, that only you can do. Father, my words can't, but Father, your Holy Spirit through the preached word can. And Father, we, we trust you to do that, and we pray that you would do that. And then, Father, I pray that for those of us that are born again this morning, that we would not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the two hindrances to being filled with the Holy Spirit, is that we choose our way over God's way. So Father, I just pray that we'd be empty this morning and be open. And Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. And Father, your word is your word. And Father, I pray that you'd use it to transform lives. And Father, to encourage us and to help us in these very important areas. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. And we love you, Father. In Jesus' name, and all of God's children said, amen or oh me. If you will, I'm going to ask uh, our PowerPoint guy, if he will, to hang with me. Because we've got several we need to look at. The first thing we need to see here is the pneuma. 
all right? And that's the Greek word for wind or spirit or air. It's where we get our word pneumonia. I think the word is pneumonia. Let me make sure I get the word right. Yeah, pneumatic. Notice what Jesus said in John 3. Talking to Nicodemus, all right? He was telling him that something's going to happen that religion can't do. There is something that happens outside of you, okay, that will change your life. And notice what he says. Jesus said, the pneuma blows where it will, the Holy Spirit. He's trying to explain to Nicodemus about being born again. And he says, you you can't see it, but you can see the effects of it of it. And, and the Bible and the study of pneumatology gives us some of the actions of the Holy Spirit. Notice what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit teaches, Jesus said. The Holy Spirit witnesses. The Holy Spirit directs and commands. If you, if you read the book of Acts, you have, you have born-again Christians who were filled with the Holy Spirit to the point that God could direct them and lead them and basically tell them what nations or continents to go to. That's how filled with the Holy Spirit they were and how much control the Holy Spirit had in their life. He performs miracles. He calls and sends forth to service. I'm a pastor today not because I felt like it would be a great job. All right? The Holy Spirit called me into service. All right? That's how the Holy Spirit worked. I didn't decide to do this. I tell people all the time, you can ask Mr. Burgess. I hated oral reports. I hated them. I just did last thing on earth I want to do is be up here talking, but the Holy Spirit called me, and I said yes. He intercedes, and he guides once again. Notice one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit. Notice what Jesus said. This is one of the primary verses on the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this after he said, let not your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. He said, I'm going to leave you. But he says, if I depart, I will send him. Notice how Jesus calls the Holy Spirit him. If you have a a King James Version, oftentimes it'll put it in there. And the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is always described as a person. So the better translation instead of it or itself is he, him, or himself. So he says, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will, what's the word? Convict. Okay? When you pray for a lost person, what you need to pray is Holy Spirit, convict that person. Convict that person. The word convict, if you'll remember, I've shared it with you before, means cause to see. God will cause this person to see, notice what he says, sin. Have you ever talked to somebody and they said, I don't think I'm a sinner? I mean, I used to say that all the time, all right, whenever I was, uh, before I became a Christian. I'm not that bad, but the Holy Spirit caused me to see that I was a wretch, (laughs) okay? And that I was guilty before God. The Holy Spirit did that. It wasn't somebody's necessarily their gospel presentation. God used that. But it was the Holy Spirit that caused me to see. You know, uh, amazing grace. I was blind, but now I see. The Holy Spirit caused me to see. And the other week I said, we can't open blind eyes, can we? But the Holy Spirit can. We're so dependent on the Holy Spirit of righteousness. That means a right standing with God. I realized when I was 20, okay, I didn't understand it all, but I realized I was not right with God. That's huge. Are you right now, think about it, right with God? The Holy Spirit will cause you to see whether you are or not, and then of judgment because judgment will come. So the Holy Spirit convicts, 
And another thing the Holy Spirit does, which is so important if you'll notice, the Holy Spirit regenerates. The Holy Spirit saves a person. See, I can talk Scott into praying a prayer, maybe, but I can't regenerate him. I can't save him. He needs a lot of prayer. He's a Steeler fan, all right? Will y'all pray with him? Oh, and four people. Pray for Scott. But notice what God's, Paul said through Titus. Now notice Titus is on the island of Crete, a very wicked island. And he says, Titus, you share the gospel, the Holy Spirit will regenerate these people. Okay? He will save these people. He will take these men, and in, in Titus 1, he said they're lazy gluttons. He says the Holy Spirit will change these men. They were all pretty much drunkards on the island. And he said this, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done. Amen? Aren't you thankful? He said, But because of His mercy, He washed away our, our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through whom? The Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit does a work that you and I can't. Jesus said this to Nicodemus. It's not going to be on the screen. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. How much... Um, how much influence did you have in your natural birth? About none, right? Aren't you glad? But anyway, he goes on to tell Nicodemus this. Jesus replied, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Now notice what he tells Nicodemus. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And if you study the Scriptures and you study the work of the Holy Spirit... Regeneration is never a process. It happens in an instant. No one is partially regenerated. Okay, There are no stillbursts or anything like that in God's kingdom. You're, you're saved or you're not. It's not experiential. Which means this. God can save you and change your life, and you don't have a whole lot of feelings with it. Okay, I mean, most of the time when I pray with people, sometimes people weep. I didn't weep. I just understood I was lost. I was internally grateful. That God saved me, okay? But, but I, I wasn't weeping and doing all those things. I did later when I understood it all. But see, God saved me in an instant. It wasn't a process. He saved me like that. He changed, he changed me. The change was, in, was a process, but the salvation was an instant. God did that for me, and it, He did it through the Holy Spirit. And the results of regeneration is that believers are indwelt. Notice this verse up on the screen. In the Old Testament, no saint was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. If you think about Joseph, David, Daniel, Elijah, the Bible always says what it says about Samson. How many of you watched the Bible series on, on TV, on cable? Well, about five of you. Y'all are pagans. But anyway, <laughs> Samson was this big guy, right? He's a, he's a big guy with dreadlocks. But if you, if you study, most scholars will say Samson was probably not a big guy. Samson was probably just a normal, average-sized, kind of wimpy-looking guy, kind of like, kind of like Wesley, kind of like him. As a matter of fact, I think it'd be good to start calling Wesley Samson because what happened here was you had this normal guy, okay? The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came mildly upon him, and he tore the line apart as one would have torn a young goat. Man, let's pray for the goats. Though he had nothing in his hand. And what that says is, is you have a guy, in his own power, he's nothing, but the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he turns into this mighty warrior. And that was the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, everything changed. 
the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Notice what John 14 goes on to say, and I don't think this is on the screen either, but listen to what Jesus said. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Big change in the New Testament. And for the Jews, they couldn't understand it, because they could understand the Holy Spirit coming on somebody. But Jesus said, He's going to be with you, and then He's going to be in you. Okay? So if you're a born-again Christian today that's been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in you. That's permanent. That never changes, ever. It's not like some of Him leaks out. All right? You're, you're totally indwelt. So the filling of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit are two different things. And if anybody tells you different, they can tell you that, but it's wrong. Because you're indwelt fully with the Holy Spirit if you're saved. So much so, that's how we know we're saved. Notice what the Bible says in Romans. Very important verse. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, the Bible says, he is not his. So the way you know you're born again is you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Okay? And that never, ever changes. The Bible never gives us this idea that it ever changes. And this is where Paul brings in wine to prove a point about being filled with the Holy Spirit, not indwelt. Everybody say context. Is everybody happy so far? All right, get ready not to be. The second thing we're going to see here is this. He said, don't be drunk with this word right here. Every time it's used in the New Testament, it means fermented beverage or fermented wine. Okay? Every time that word is used, that's what it means. What I find ironic is how preachers will change that word based on the context to tell people that they're not supposed to drink, okay? So my question to you, and don't answer, is this. Is it okay for a born-again Christian to drink wine? Now, what I want to give you is some opinions that other pastors have given based on their study, whom I respect. Listen to what John Piper said. And then hear me out to the end, okay? John Piper said this. Drinking can be okay. You can't defend in any absolute way teetotalism from the Bible. Mark Dever, who in my opinion is one of the Southern Baptist Convention's greatest spokesmen, he has one of the best books on church life called Nine Marks, okay, and he teaches at Southeastern Seminary quite often. He does a conference. Mark Dever says this. Listen to what he says. The Bible seems silent on the issue unless you abuse it. Alcohol has been a non-issue till the 1900s. He goes on to say this. I don't drink or promote it, but when it comes to the Bible, I'm on the side of the moderate drinkers. It is a sin to divide the body of Christ over this. Jesus never condemned, and by his own usage, seemed to condone. The Bible is absolutely clear on it, and it's a non-issue. Wade Burleson, who's in the SBC, who is a great preacher and has a great blog, he says, I teach my children and my church that abstinence is a wise choice for every Christian and the best way to avoid drunkenness. I, ho I wholeheartedly support all believers who have an abstinence conviction. However... I believe the authoritative, inspired Word of God forbids drunkenness, but not the drinking of an alcoholic beverage. J.D. Greer, who's, who's a little bit younger than me, uh, said this, who's a SBC pastor. He says this, Drinking fermented wine is clearly endorsed both in the Old and New Testament. 
Isaiah and Psalms 104 talk about the joys of wine and imply that it is a good creation of God. Deuteronomy 14 says this. Notice what God says. He says, Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. Isaiah 25 says this, The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest wines. If you ever go to a funeral in a Lutheran church, this verse is always read. Proverbs 31 says about alcohol, it lightens our hearts and relieves some of our sadness. John 2 and Luke 5 both talk about the drinking of aged wine. In the coming kingdom, the Bible promises us we will drink aged wine. Age does one thing to wine, ferments it. So if drinking any alcohol in a beverage is a sin, Jesus could not have been our sinless Savior. Does the Bible say don't drink fermented wine, or does it say it's a sin? And J.D. Greer says this, no. John MacArthur says, can I say it's always a sin to take a drink? No. R.C. Sproul, who's a Presbyterian, said this, I believe that to drink a glass of wine or any other alcoholic beverage is a sin. The idea that to drink a glass of wine or any other alcoholic beverage is a sin against God is so foreign to the teaching of the inspired and errant word of God that for anyone to say a Christian who has no abstinence conviction says this, you are sinning against God when you drink a glass of wine is a sin in itself. To do so would be to accuse Jesus of possessing personal sin, the epitome of liberalism. Jesus drank wine. The disciples drank wine. Jesus turned the water into wine. This is just water. Paul commanded Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach. The Bible prohibition is drunkenness. The inerrant word of God says, be, drunk, be not drunk with wine. However, the sin of drunkenness is similar to the sin of promiscuous sex. We don't teach that a man should abstain from sex with his wife because other people are sex addicts. And all the men said, well, that's on you. Similarly, we don't teach that individuals must abstain from alcohol because some commit the sin of drunkenness. How has American history portrayed this thought? Look at these pictures up here. You got Coors Light and you got Guinness something, whatever that is. I'm not sure what it is, okay? What is it, Mark? He don't know either. Good. The Coors Company was started by Adolf Coors. All right, he's a born-again Christian. He is a conservative Christian. He is a Republican and supports Republican causes. If anybody's going to stand up against uh, somebody fighting against traditional marriages, it's Coors. I've heard pastors stand up and preach against drunkenness, but they take this guy's money. All right, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to name their names, but they have. I know Christian ministries on TV that will stand up and preach against not drunkenness, but against drinking in general, and they take Joseph Coors' money. Because okay, he supports traditional causes. Guinness started his brewery years ago, and he was one of the first companies to offer free health care to his employees back in the 1900s. He helped alleviate poverty in Ireland. Okay, So to say that this has not been a part of our culture is wrong. Okay, Now, what about today? Now, I hope I don't make you mad, but notice this picture right here. The Duck Dynasty boys are wine drinkers. Did you know that? Now, there was an episode where they bought a vineyard. Do you remember that? You know, they actually didn't buy the vineyard. Matter of fact, they don't even own a vineyard. But they went to Landry Vineyard. You can go to their webpage and I'll tell you the whole story. It's just something they did for the TV show. But Willie, Miss Kay, 
Martin and the rest of them, they're wine drinkers. Phil was an alcoholic. Cy was an alcoholic. They don't drink wine. But Phil's got to the point in his life where his wife can drink wine and he doesn't. And according to Landry Vineyards, who are Christian people, okay, who are Christian people, they say that the Robertsons uh, visit their winery quite often. Matter of fact, Willie had his daughter's 16th birthday party here at Landry Vineyards. Okay, So when we see preachers out wearing Willie Robinson t-shirts, I just got to tell them, hey, he's a drinker, boys. He's a drinker. All right? Now, I hadn't touched wine in about five years. And before you go crazy, let me tell you what happened. I was at a Lutheran funeral. And I was sitting there minding my own business. All right? I was on this side of the church. I was by myself. I didn't know. I didn't know what you did. I was about to call Wesley. Wesley, what do you do here at this funeral? And I was sitting there, and the guys done a great job. And they stood up and said, "Now we're going we're going to take Holy Communion." And everybody stood up, and I said, "Oh well, here I go." And so we're going in line, and I'm not thinking about nothing. I grabbed a wafer from the guy, and we're dipping it right. And I done my little thing like this. I went, and as soon as I touched my mouth, I thought. This ain't Welch's. <laughs> so God is my witness. I'm sitting here thinking about the night, late 80s. You know, I'm sitting here chewing on this thing going, okay, what do I do now? Have I sinned? What is wrong? And I'm thinking, can I drive home? What if I get pulled? You know, what if, really, you think about that? And, and I'm sitting there. I started to do like that to the guy, but I didn't. I'm thinking, what do I do? You know, and I would say this. Now, listen, I hear pastors preach and call social drinkers sinner, sinners when some of them can't even look down and see their toes. Alright? Now listen to this. Alcohol deaths in America is awful. 100,000 per year, but obesity related deaths are around 300,000 and climbing. 76% of pastors are either overweight or obese. And I put this on Facebook. The church is the only place in America where a glutton can look at a drunkard and somehow feel more righteous than them but with that said okay your pastor is a teetotaler I don't touch it all right and I would say if you don't have the conviction that you can social drink all right and you have to hide it from your mama or if you have to hide it from your pastor then you got issues somebody said you want to go to buffaloes and watch the UFC fight with me which I love buffaloes and I love the UFC fights and I said, no, because I don't want to see all the, my Facebook friends hiding their beer. It's like I'm a plague when I walk in. You know, Renee and I struggle when we go to Hickory to eat because I remember one, one <laughs> Friday night we are sitting there, and somebody, I heard somebody say, there's Jamie. And I looked up, and they're, they're doing their beer thing like this. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. You can ask her. And I said, oh, no, they're hiding it. And I said, I can see them right here. And then I said, and i got to go to the bathroom really bad. And I got to walk right by them, you know. And she said, "Well, maybe you can walk around the building." I said, "I'm not going through the kitchen." And I remember, I remember, I got up and I was walking. The dude done this. How you doing, Jamie? And I said, "Well, I'm doing fine." And God is my witness. I was in Walmart about two years ago, and I don't think you're here, brother, but I love you. And I walked down the beer aisle, all right, getting water for our church. And this dude had just picked up wine. And as soon as he saw me, he he done this and about dropped it and I thought I was gonna have to catch it and he said this he had a big old jug or whatever that was and he said he said I'd use this for cooking I said boy you're doing a lot of cooking aren't you 
And I just walked on, you know. I just walked on and just left him. Now notice, now go back to Ephesians 5.18. The Bible says this. But we'll notice what he says not to do with wine, for sure, for everybody. Okay? Don't be drunk. Look at the word drunk. And then he says it's dissipation, which means this, it leads to waste. Now, that's why God told a priest in the Old Testament, he said, if you're not doing your duties, you can drink wine. But if you're doing your duties, don't come into the tabernacle with it. That's what he said. Paul told Timothy, tell your elders and your deacons not to be given to wine, which means this. It literally means this, if we're going to be honest about the Bible. It means I don't allow a drink to take control of my life because when they would go into homes basically all they had was wine and I hear people say all the time that you know it's because the water was so bad well Timothy was drinking water and Paul said look don't drink only water take a little wine for your stomach's sake okay and what I like in that too is like your grandma's sore throat stuff did y'all ever have that you mix like vodka with honey and call it grandma's specialty and everybody got sore throat man my sore throat it's bad again Let's go to grandma's, all right? But notice what he says. He says here, drunkenness, which affects so many of us. You know, I think my family tree was a Budweiser can. I'll just be honest with you. Drunkenness is where the problem comes. He said it leads to dissipation, all right? And what he means is this. You can literally waste your life over this if you're not a, if you're not a spirit-filled believer. This right here can just literally, you can lose your marriage. You can lose your job. You can lose everything you have, can't you? If you're not careful, you can. And no, notice some of the sins associated with drunkenness. I think that's the next one. Brother, I'm kind of off. Notice what he says. Sins associated with drunkenness include incest, violence, in the Bible, adultery, mockery, brawling, poverty, late night and early morning drinking, hallucinations, murder, gluttony, poverty, vomiting, staggering, madness, loudness, prolonged sleep, nakedness, orgies, laziness, and damnation. Notice what he says. Paul said to the church at Corinth. He says, do not be deceived, neither, and he lists all these sins. And then he said this, nor drunkards will inherit the kingdom of God. And basically what he's saying is this, if you choose a lifestyle of a drunkard over Jesus, you're not going to go to heaven. Notice he says, not the social drinker. He says, if you choose the lifestyle of being a drunkard, over Jesus, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? So with that said, you know, you have to ask yourself, what do I want to do with that? Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. I think this is a good, a good point. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Whether it's food, whatever. You know, wine, whatever it is. To be mastered means to be controlled by it. It controls me. I don't control it. Okay? So am I telling you to drink? No, am I telling you not to drink? No, am I telling you to be drunk? I'm telling you it's always a sin to be a drunkard. Always. Okay? And if you try to use this message to justify your wicked lifestyle, then you're doing wrong, right? I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says because there's liberty and freedom in Jesus to do what Jesus has asked us to do. So the last thing is this. Paul's point is this. He says, when a man is overtaken, about wine and drunk the wine so fills him that it controls him and makes him do things he wouldn't normally do okay have you ever met a drunk person out in the public that you don't know and i shared this story with you one time i was at the mall 
And there was a guy, God is my witness, standing here at the steps like this, just standing there. And, you know, when I went up to him, you could, you could tell the guy had been drinking a lot. And I said, sir, can I help you? And he said, isn't this the craziest thing? This escalator's broke. <laughs> you know what I started to do? That's what I don't want to do. There was, a, there was a closet over the other side, and I said, why don't you just take the elevator? You know, <laughs> and just leave him there, but I didn't. I said, brother, man, these are steps. <laughs> All right. What Paul is saying is this. He's saying, don't be drunk with wine, which, is, which leads to waste, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And literally what the word filled means in the Bible is this. A person filled with anger responds to what they're filled with. Okay, A person filled with joy allows the joy to control that person. A person filled with the Spirit, this is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. You're controlled by the Spirit. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 2, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That means to hurt the Holy Spirit. Don't do it. And then he said this to the church of Thessalonica, don't quench the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Now, as you are right now, could you honestly say the way you're living right now is grieving the Holy Spirit? If so, you're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's why this is a command that you're to do over and over again. It's not like you're an empty person and the Holy Spirit comes back in. It means you're allowing the Holy Spirit to control you. That's why it's so important to confess sin to the Lord. You're to confess it and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me, take control of my life. As a matter of fact, a good evidence of the Spirit-filled life is, notice, this, this is so good. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's agape. It means I'm going to love you unconditionally and sacrificially. If the church of Jesus Christ would love, if East Hazel Baptist Church would love Alexander County like this, like we're supposed to, we wouldn't be able to keep people out of here. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians. He goes on down here to say this. What are the results? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Next Saturday when you're on the football field, and your kid gets knocked crazy by some other guy, and that their family stands up and does some kind of touchdown dance, just sing, you know, in Christ alone. Do something like that, because you're filled with the Spirit. Okay? He says, because if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to produce love, joy, peace. Let me ask you a question. And I've been in um, some very difficult situations the last couple of days with people that are about to die. I'm just going to be honest with you. And it's amazing the difference in people. The people that have peace, I always say this, have peace. I don't care what comes at you, it's this right here. I get a bad report, I know it's okay, because I got Jesus and I got peace. You can't buy that. You can't manufacture it. Life and circumstances will let you know if you have peace, amen? And then I've met people this week when they get the same report, it's not good. Friends, there's nothing like being involved with the fruit of the Spirit. Only Jesus Christ can do that to you. This is what Chuck Swindoll said, and I'll, I'll close with this. I love what he said on this subject. He said he prays, he tries to pray this every morning. He said, this is your day, Lord. I want to be at your disposal. I have no idea what these next 24 hours will contain. 
But before I sip my first cup of coffee, and even before I get dressed, I want you to know that from this moment on, throughout this day, I'm yours, Lord. Help me to lean on you, to draw strength from you, and to have you fill my mind and my thoughts. Take control of my senses so that I'm literally filled with your presence and empowered with your energy. I want to be your tool. I want to be your vessel today. I can't make it happen so I'm saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit today. Is that not, not a great prayer? Some of you this morning, that's the answer for what you need. You're a Christian. You're saved. You just need to say, Lord, I want to be your tool. And God, whatever it is in my life you need to take out, take it. Lord, I want to be controlled by you, not other things. And then some of you in here, you've never been regenerated. The Holy Spirit doesn't indwell you. God's spirit is not living inside of you, and you know it. And today you need to make it right. You don't need me to help you. When we pray, you can pray and say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. Save me. God understands that, and he will save you. It's his work anyway. Amen. So do you have love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness? Charles Stanley said that was the greatest evangelistic tool in the first century was Christians living filled with the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as our musicians come. We're not going to give a long invitation. I'm going to ask you to be in an attitude of prayer. You may or may not need to come forward. If you do, that's fine. Our staff will be here if you need somebody to pray with you. If not, you may just want to come this morning and say, Lord, I pray that you would have greater control in my life. You can do it where you are. If you've never responded in faith to Jesus. You can be saved today where you are. You can come up here. We can pray with you. But I would encourage you not to leave here today without being saved or without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that can, Lord, literally not just change our lives but control our lives. Father, some of us are in a situation where we need to make the right decision and we'll never make the right decision unless we're filled with you. Father, some of us are on the fence about ministry. And Lord, we'll never know the right thing to do unless we're filled with you. Lord, take control of our lives. Lord, as Chuck Swindoll said, Lord, I'm your tool today. I'm your vessel. Use me how you will. Father, I pray that we'd be a church that is so filled with the Spirit that we would exhibit the fruits of the Spirit each and every day in our homes, in our workplaces, Lord, in our community. And I pray that you'd be glorified because of it. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond there or you can come up here if you'd like. Just as I
hearts and minds are clear, I'm going to ask Maddox Fairchild if he'll come. Stand right here. Maddox has prayed to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and he comes this morning to uh, be a candidate for baptism and church membership. Do we have a motion to accept Maddox as a member of East Tales of Baptist Church after he's baptized? Do we have a second? All in favor, raise your hand say praise the Lord. Amen. If you guys will come up here and stand with him. And also we have John Lynn Miller. She'll come here. She's prayed to receive Christ as well. And she wants to come this morning to join East Hellsville Baptist Church and be a candidate for baptism. Do we have a motion to accept her as a member after she's baptized? Do we have a second? All in favor, raise your hand say praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to ask her family to come up here and stand with her as well. I know you guys will want to come by and shake her hand. Let's just thank the Lord for what he's done in these young people's lives. And I would just like to say I want to thank those that work with VBS, with our children's ministry in Awana, uh, for all that you do. I want to thank their parents for being so faithful to East Hillsville Baptist Church. I want to thank Kevin for his wonderful work and all that he does. It's the fruit of all that. So uh, we want to thank you so much. I know you want to come by and shake their hands. One other thing, chorus starts at 6 tonight. Awana starts at 6 tonight. And we need a whole bunch of you men up here moving chairs, okay? God bless you. I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon, and you're dismissed.